Not sure what to make for dinner? Need some inspiration? Mondays and Wednesdays, join Gabriel and his food hero guests on The Dinner Special. And now, here's your host, Gabriel So. Welcome to The Dinner Special. I am Gabriel So, and I am so happy to have Tessa Fisher of Salted Plains joining me here on the show today. Tessa is fascinated with turning her love of baking into creating gluten-free treats that taste good. On her blog, Salted Plains, she shares recipes of her gluten-free creations, many of which are also dairy-free or vegan. Tessa strives to use whole ingredients and refrains from baking with refined sugar whenever she can. Thank you so much for being here today, Tessa. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's my pleasure. Now, let's start with your interest in baking. How did you discover baking and realize that it was something that you truly enjoyed? Well, baking was something that I always did growing up. My mom was a really great cook. You know, she was always creating new things for us at dinner, but she didn't do a whole lot of baking. And that was something that I always just really liked experimenting with, probably putting weird combinations together when I shouldn't have been. But it's always been something that I've really just enjoyed doing. Now, was baking always something that was more of an interest to you as opposed to the cooking side of things? You mentioned that your mom was a really good cook. Right. Yeah, I I definitely have always felt more comfortable baking than cooking and preparing meals, for sure. Yeah. Now, was there someone who really encouraged your baking interest? Not really. I think the idea of just creating something sweet, I kind of have a sweet tooth, and then being able to share those things with other people has always just been a lot of fun for me. Now, are there any other bakers in your family? Not really. No, no. I think I'm it. Yeah, (laughs) you're a very valuable asset. Well, you didn't always follow a gluten-free diet. Can you share what brought on this change? I grew up with severe migraines. Probably about middle school, high school, I started getting severe migraines, and they kind of would just put me out for a whole day. They'd make me pretty sick, very nauseous, dehydrated, just really awful. And as I went through high school, they kind of became more frequent. In college, they were very frequent. And so I tried everything. You know, I did acupuncture and saw a chiropractor and saw, you know, ear, nose and throat doctors and allergists and all sorts of things to try to figure out what was going on and no real answer. You know, some things helped calm symptoms a little bit, but nothing really ever got rid of them. And so I just became okay with the idea, I guess, that I was always going to have migraines. But at the same time, you know, when a special event was coming up, I'd get nervous that one would come on and it would just ruin the day. So I really came to be gluten-free because I had a friend mention that they had read that there was a connection between gluten and migraines and maybe I should check it out. And so I did. I did some reading and I decided to cut gluten out for a couple months just to see what would happen. Really didn't think anything was going to change. And I started feeling better. And so I kept going and the migraines lessened. And I've been a few years migraine free now. So kind of life changing. Oh, totally life changing. (laughs) Well, when you started baking gluten free, what was the biggest adjustment from traditional baking? The biggest adjustment, I think, you know, with the absence of gluten, you know, that kind of glues everything together, just figuring out, okay, so how does that work exactly? And what do you use to replace it? And, you know, just the very basics, really, of it. That was probably the toughest part for me and a little bit overwhelming, really. Well, I mean, you wrote that you embarked on a self-taught crash course in gluten-free baking. Can you share with us how you learned and what your process was? Well, when I went gluten-free and I started seeing 
the positive effects for me of that. I then also at the same time realized, oh, so that means <laughs> no cookies and cake and all the stuff that I love. I was okay with maybe not bread so much, but you know, the other things seemed kind of dire. So I started just kind of looking things up online. And that's kind of how I became acquainted with blogs out there that, you know, bloggers that were dealing with being gluten free and that kind of thing. And really just did a lot of reading online about it. During this time, I'm sure there must have been a ton of experimentation. Can you share a story of maybe when you were trying something different or new, and it just didn't work out quite as well as you had hoped? I was trying to one time convert a brownie recipe to being gluten-free and I thought, okay, I've got this. This will be great. <laughs> and the brownies came out probably about a half inch tall. They tasted really good if you could scrape them off the pan, but it didn't even look like anything anyone would want to eat. But that was probably my biggest fail, I would say. Yeah. Well, I guess if they tasted good, you could probably just stack them up on top of each other. <laughs> Well, you mentioned that, you know, when you were just starting out and you were learning, you did a lot of Googling and that's when you started discovering some, you know, good online resources and blogs that, you know, really taught you and guided you. For someone who's just, you know, starting or learning and wants to be more gluten-free in terms of their baking, can you share some good books or online resources that would be a good foundation for them? Well, the blogs that I was going to initially over and over again for baking gluten-free and, and cooking gluten-free. Gluten-Free Girl, I learned a lot through what she was doing. Also, Against the Grain, Daniel Walker's site, learned a lot there. Tasty Yummies, I went to all the time. And Against All Grain and Tasty Yummies are both, I think, more paleo-based, but, you know, obviously grain-free, gluten-free. And so I learned a lot through reading their blogs. Cool. Tessa, you also try to bake without using refined sugar. What are some good substitutes? One of my favorite substitutes for just regular granulated white sugar would be coconut sugar. You can use it as a one-to-one -one substitute. It's also lower glycemic, but it also has a little bit more nutrients than just regular white sugar. So you can feel a little bit better about, you know, using that. But I really like coconut sugar. I use honey a lot. I also use maple syrup a lot. Those three are probably my top unrefined sugars. Now, with you know, maple syrup or honey can kind of have similar consistencies, but, you know, a bit different flavors. Are these substitutes interchangeable in recipes or can using the wrong natural sweetener kind of, you know, skew off a dish? Usually honey and maple syrup are pretty interchangeable. And you're right, it will change the flavor a tad bit. But for those recipes that could be converted to vegan, you know, obviously maple syrup would be a great way to go to switching out honey. But you know, I have some recipes on my site that are, you know, either using coconut sugar and people try to use maple syrup or vice versa. The liquid degranulated doesn't usually always transfer very well, I've found. And some of it is kind of a mystery to me where I think that it, it should actually work better, but it doesn't. So it's a continued learning and experimentation process. It makes me want to be better at science. Well, it's really cool because, you know, through my chats with my guests, I learn a lot. And, you know, I'm just learning right now as we chat about, you know, coconut sugar. I've never even heard of coconut sugar before. Is there something that you learned recently that was totally awesome that you can share with us? Or even just through your process of discovery? Well, coconut sugar is, I guess, more similar to brown sugar. It has kind of a more 
caramely taste to it, which I really like. I think it gives a whole different depth to your baked goods. And so that's something I wasn't initially thinking about when I started using it. And now I will purposely use it in something that I think could use that flavor. You know, sometimes I use sucanat also, which is a little bit lighter. It doesn't have so much of that caramely flavor, but is also unrefined. And so kind of learning those little nuances with the sugars has helped a great deal. Well, and I think also that, you know, if we use different types of sugars that do have different flavorings, they must add, you know, that's something extra to a dish rather than using, you know, the typical sugars that I use, the ones that I just buy at the grocery store that I guess just taste sweet. Right, right. <laughs> well, Tessa, your blog, Salted Plains, what drew you to start documenting your baking adventures? So a couple different things. I was kind of running myself ragged with my full-time job, and I was also coaching swimming. And so that schedule in general was pretty intense, early mornings, you know, working all day, and then late evenings and weekends. And I was feeling just totally worn out, which wouldn't make you think, let's start a blog. <laughs> but I was feeling the need for something creative, something to kind of look forward to, to, you know, cause myself to learn about something on a daily basis. And so it really was born out of that. And I had started, you know, playing around with gluten-free baked goods by then taking them to our weekly girls night and getting really good feedback. And I thought, well, maybe this is the way to go for now and just see what happens. That sounds a bit crazy to me because a blog is so much work and you're just adding onto your work. I totally realize that now. That was, yeah, it doesn't even make sense. <laughs> well, where do you find inspiration for what you make on the blog? You know, a lot of inspiration I get from just the seasons, really, the fruit and vegetables that's out there seasonally, but also just kind of what I'm craving a lot of times goes into what's the next thing that I'm going to work on or what have I not attempted yet that I think other people might want to have a gluten-free version of or what not gluten-free grain could I use that I haven't really played much with. And so that kind of dictates what I do next. Do you have any go-to sources where you go for inspiration? You know, some people that really inspire you or books that really inspire you? Bojan Gourmet, love her blog, her photography, what she does with her food, I think is amazing. Always getting really good ideas from her. The cookbook Flavor Flowers by Alice Medrick is fantastic, and she has chapters on maybe seven or eight different grains, gluten-free grains and how to use them. And so I go to that a lot to get ideas on, you know, the texture and what you can use for, you know, cakes and what's good for cookies and that kind of thing. You clearly enjoy baking and keeping your blog. Have there been any unexpected rewards from starting your blog? I mean, you mentioned that it's kind of calming and soothing for you. <laughs> rewards, definitely becoming a part of the online blogger community, just meeting other people through their blogs, especially those that have had other health issues similar to mine. You know, I also have an autoimmune disease, which I realized after starting the blog, and that was one reason why I was running so haggard. I just didn't know it at the time. <laughs> but, you know, kind of seeing what other people's stories have been and how they've, you know, gotten through those hurdles. But just, you know, making those contacts and those friendships has been really, really cool. Awesome. Well, Tessa, here at the Dinner Special, we chat with food heroes about dishes that are special to them and how we can make it at home. Can you talk about a dish that is special to you and a little bit about the story behind the dish? Well, this is not so much of a baked good, I guess, but the dish that comes to mind, my favorite dish growing up was my mom's version of chicken divan. And this version had curry powder in it and croutons and it was just 
rich and comforting and I would request it for all my birthday dinners and all that. And I used to get confused and called it uh, Chicken of Oz instead of Chicken Devon. I was probably going through a Wizard of Oz phase or something. But that dish, I just love. It just makes me feel at home whenever I have it. And my mom has figured out how to make that gluten-free now for me. So that's been really great. Cool. And do you think that you'd ever put this up on the blog I think I would. I think I should, actually, as it being one of my favorites. And I really would like to dabble more in savory stuff. So I think, yeah, that's a great idea. Yeah, you totally should. Well, let's say that you could invite three famous people over to share your mom's amazing chicken Devon dish. Who would you invite over? Paul Rudd, the actor Paul Rudd. And he's from Kansas City. So we're all kind of proud of that here. And he's hilarious. Josh Ritter is one of my favorite musicians. I think it would be really interesting to talk with him. I guess I would have to have my mom, I think, you know, and she's always been very good at experimenting with different ingredients and that kind of thing. And I think she would love to be in the room with those two people also. Well, let's say that this was a dinner and a movie situation. What movie would you pair with your mom's incredible dish? It would have to be one of my favorite movies, Love Actually. And so since it's kind of a family affair, I guess that works. <laughs> awesome. Well, I call the next part of the Dinner Special Podcast the pressure cooker. I'm going to ask you seven fast and fun questions that we want to know your answers to. Are you up for it? I'm ready. <laughs> awesome. Number one, which food shows or cooking shows do you watch? I don't really watch a whole lot of TV and I don't have a particular food show, but if I turn on the TV and I'm flipping through and there's something related to food on, I'm going to stop and just watch. <laughs> Number two, what are some food blogs or websites we have to know about? Well, one food blog that I came across recently that I love is called Appeasing a Food Geek. And Kelsey is the writer of the blog and she kind of breaks things down from a scientific point of view, you know, how things work and react. And because I wish I knew more about that, you know, I love that she does that. I mean, you mentioned earlier that you wish you were better at science. too. <laughs> so maybe some Alton Brown as well. <laughs> some good eats. Now, number three, who do you follow on Pinterest, Instagram, Facebook or Snapchat that make you happy? I guess Instagram is probably my favorite. I love seeing the photos from food stories. Also, Adventures in Cooking, Ava Flores. She just does beautiful photography. There's so many, really. And I love also following kind of travel photographers on Instagram. Alex Stroll is a travel photographer, and he just goes amazing places. So I would have to say those are my top. Number four, what is the most unusual or treasured item you have in your kitchen? Well, this is pretty simple, but my silpat that you use for baking on your cookie sheets, it's a reusable, I guess, replacement of parchment paper, but I use it over and over and over again, and it's great. It cleans super fast, and, you know, it's always handy. Great. Number five, name one ingredient you used to dislike that you now love. Well, one food I can think for sure is <laughs> Brussels sprouts. <laughs> Never liked them growing up, and now they're probably one of my favorite foods. Was there something about these Brussels sprouts that, you know, you didn't like? I think I must have had them cooked not in the best way. Boiled, I don't know. But now I've discovered there's so many different ways to eat them and they're fantastic. Great. Number six, what are a few cookbooks that make your life better? Well, this is not a cookbook, but Ratio, the book Ratio has been really helpful for me. Paleo Patisserie that came out this last year has been fantastic. And again, I think I mentioned Flavor Flowers, one of my all-time favorite cookbooks. 
And finally, number seven, what song or album just makes you want to cook? Well, Josh Ritter's, um, he's coming out with a new album and one of his new singles is Getting Ready to Get Down. And that pretty much gets you ready to do anything, I think. So, love that song. Awesome. Getting ready to get down, right? Yeah, yeah. Congratulations, Tessa. You have officially survived the pressure cooker. Thank you so much for joining me here on the Dinner Special Podcast. You're on social media. What's the best way for us to keep posted with what you're up to? Like I said, I really love Instagram. I'm on there a lot. Also on Pinterest and Facebook. And those are all at Salted Plains. So that's probably the best places to find me. And Twitter. (laughs) Great. And of course, the blog as well, right? SaltedPlains.com. Right. Perfect. Well, thank you so much again, Tessa, for taking the time. It's been truly my pleasure. I hope you had fun. I did. Thanks so much for having me, Gabriel. Thank you so much for listening. Head over to thedinnerspecial.com for recipes, highlights from every show, super blog articles, and all the wonderful ways to keep in touch on social media. Your culinary journey awaits, so let's get cooking.